Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus to play football. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, mmm, this barbecue tastes good. Man, this barbecue taste could have tasted a hell of a lot better if we would have put our foot on their neck or put for their foot on their throat, as Saban likes to say. While this is obviously a great win compared to winning by a point two years ago, we should have put this team away early and taken their will away. And while I'm happy we won by 19 points, this game could have been done at halftime. Oh, absolutely. This game is – this is sort of the quintessential Saban midseason game, especially when he has a really good team, a team that gets it, right, with a lot of senior leadership or a lot of at least leaders uh, across the team. The team gets better incrementally better, noticeably better every week. When things are presented as an issue uh, in subsequent weeks, you see them immediately corrected or very quickly corrected. And so it wasn't long. People were were lamenting the lack of a running game, and then Saturday happens. It only took a couple of games with a lot of penalties, and the number of penalties, especially against our offensive line, you know, went way down. And so this is going to be an opportunity for the secondary to kind of uh, to beef up, and we're going to see fumbles go down. But this is a game where we've seen evolution, progression up to this point, uh, a really fast start against the Razorbacks, 49 points, a lot of sort of diversity on offense, some things to clean up on defense. All in all, I am ecstatic with this game. No, absolutely, man. I mean, scoring, scoring 49 points – with how little that we had the ball, right, is obviously a huge thing, right? I mean, we remember teams years ago that we'd be happy to win a 13-10 to 10 game against Arkansas where it would be four yards in a cloud of dust. Sure. And so, obviously, for this team to put up the points that they did with how few of uh, possessions they had or time of possession tells you that this team um, can score with the best of them. Um, there's just some few things on offense that we can break down here that you know that I think were could have made this game go differently in the first half and could have really put this game away. Well, step us through it. Uh, what's something on offense that qualifies? You know, the first thing that that I want to touch on real quick uh, was the very first drive where you know Damian Harris had come in the game. He had started the ball game. He had had a few good runs. And then we bring Josh Jacobs in for a breather on, on play number five. And he breaks out for a 56-yard run to the two-yard line. 
We have first and goal at the two. In my opinion, before he fumbled the ball on second and goal, those two play calls, uh, excuse me, the 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 package that we had in the game on first and goal and second and goal were atrocious. Um, no offense to the guys that were in the game, but we should have brought the big uglies in and we should have brought in Brandon Green. Um, we had no uh, Hale Hennens in the game. Uh, we had Miller Forrestal. No offense to Miller, the, the true freshman, but he's 225 pounds. We had Miller in the game. Um, we had uh, Dieter in the game. We had three wide receivers in the game instead of three tight ends trying to run the ball. And on first down, we got nothing. Second down, uh, Miller at tight end, our third string tight end. He blocks down. He totally misses. He should have blocked out on the guy outside of him. He misses him. He rushes in. He nails Jacobs. Jacobs fumbles the ball. I'm not blaming Miller. I'm saying you got a guy in the game on goal line at the one-yard line who's not typically in the game. Bring your big uglies in and run the ball three times and score you a damn touchdown. That was yeah, a bad way to start the game. No, that's fair. I think if, if you're going to run the ball and, uh, and, and you know, clearly we've seen stuff or coaches saw stuff on film that said, you know, we can run run against this team, then we don't need to advertise or there's no false pretense. Let's bring the big the big guys in. Let's get a quick touchdown uh, that, that, you know, presumably we know that we could do with that kind of package in there. You know, put a Mac at a fullback and – and tight ends, like you said, uh, you know, uh, Brendan, uh, you, you know, uh, Brandon Green. So I agree with you. I think that's that's a fair way of looking at it. Um, now, real it quick, been real, nice to have. Now, real quick, before the third down play, before they reviewed it and called it a fumble, and that was the right call. What's sure. so ironic about that, Dave, is those first two plays we have the wrong personnel on third down when we tried to rush in there and, and run a play before they reviewed it. We brought in Mac Wilson at fullback. We brought in Brandon Green. We brought in Hale. And I'm thinking, Lane, you're three plays too late, man. Right. You bring the right package in on third and goal at the one. Why didn't you bring him in first and goal? That's all I'm saying. No, I, and I think that's the right call. I think that we should have rotated the big guys in, uh, you know, for the first down play. And, you know, one of the favorite things I like to say at the stadium is, you know, line it up, run it again when you have that type of situation and you're having success and, and you've got the right personnel package in there and the right play dialed up, you know, it's going to bust through. And so that's a play you could put the big the big guys in and say it's first it's first and you know goal at the three, run this play four times, you know, or until you score. Uh, that that would have been, you know, that would have been the nod to probably saving ball, certainly what you and I would have done. Well, and what's so what's so ironic about that is in the third quarter when we were trying to take the air out of the ball. The, the, and the other thing they should have done, too, no offense to Joshua Jacobs, is I think they should have brought, brought in Bo Scarborough as well in that package. Right. And we sat there in the third quarter, and we had a second and six or something, and we brought in Brandon Green, and we brought in Hale, and we lined them up in an unbalanced line to the right, and we ran the ball for like 10 yards. There wasn't anything, and, and actually it wasn't a pitch like you like, but – the offensive linemen just were able to to pull a little bit here to the right, and they just blew away the Arkansas line, and Bo Scarborough went for like 10 yards, and I'm thinking, damn, and we couldn't score from the one, but yet we right, did that. Right. And, what's, and what's so key about that to me 
which, and, and in a minute, I'm going to talk about some great calls that, that Lane made. But what I find so mind boggling about that is when he got back down to the goal line after Damian Harris's great run in the next drive, he said, I'm not going to try to run up the middle anymore. I'm just going to run my quarterback around the, the around the end. Which, by the way, he scored with a great with a great kickout block by Damian Harris. But it's almost like he gave up then, right? He got bit by running up the middle with the wrong personnel. So those next two times that Jalen Hurts scored, he took his quarterback around the edge, which I found that interesting. Yeah, and I'm not disappointed with that play call. I, th- I think that's a good, you know, especially in those situation. You know, it gives you a plus one uh, on offense. You know, because the quarterback truly is is a runner and not just a. Uh, you know, not just a statue back there. And so it gives it gives you a little different sort of matchup. And so in that setting with the, you know, you've got the tight end crashing down and you've got the running back sort of kicking out, That that's a, that's a good play call. That's a high percentage play call. And so I don't mind doing that, you know, with a mobile quarterback. We got, you know, we did that the first two scoring drives. And so, you know, after that first possession, that was our second and third sort of possession. We got sort of a lapse there, a couple uh, – maybe it was that fourth possession where we tried to do that, just, you know, not all the way down in the red zone, you know, maybe just inside the 50. And I thought those were kind of sloppy play calls. And um, those – you know, the personnel grouping on the first drive, I'll definitely give you that one. And there were some plot, sloppy, I thought, sort of usage of, of Jalen um, – at other points in the game, you know, Burks probably two or three carries there. He, he didn't need to have, but overall, I, I thought I was pretty impressed with, with the game planning and, uh, and in some of the play calling, what else stood out to you that you really enjoyed? Man, I had to go back and watch these plays. Cause there were so many of them. There was three or four of them. Um, Jalen hurt three or four times badly over under through his wide receivers. Yeah. yeah. And, and, Guys, we got to call a spade a spade here, okay? I don't care who's playing quarterback. There were three different times that I can recall that he underthrew guys that had he hit them in stride, it would have been touchdowns, which means Lane Kiffin made a hell of a call. He missed O.J. Howard, great play call. He missed the true freshman Miller, who would have still been running to the end zone. And I can't write this second. I think the third one might have been our Darius Stewart or Calvin Ridley. But there are three that jumps out at me that he badly underthrew. And I went back and I had to slow-mo the the play like four times. And so he had a clean pocket, had nobody on him. And all three times, Dave, he threw off his back foot. He, yeah. he, did, he did not step into the throw. He wasn't rushed. He had nobody in his face. It was just bad mechanics. He literally threw the ball off the back foot and didn't step into the throw. And so what's scary about that is they won, you know, they scored 49 points and they could have scored more. Yeah. Now some of those passes he did complete, you know, Miller caught a ball that was well behind him. He would have scored on that. I think even the announcers called that out. I think OJ caught that ball. Uh, OJ but, did catch uh, the ball, but I think he would have scored had he hit him in stride. Yeah, yeah, he, he, you know, definitely. I, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I think, you know, I think a couple of things. I think, I think Jalen, on a whole, had a really good day. I mean, he was 13 of 17, uh, which is a really good, you know, percentage. That's not sort too of many passes. That, yep, not that, too many passes. Yep, that's uh, you know, not too many. That's in that ratio that you like. 
those of those four incompletions, it includes at least one where he threw the ball away. And, and so that's a good incompletion. You know, he had four touchdowns on the day, two passing, two rushing. He did, he did have a pick, but I, th- I think this, right. I think he was consistently under throwing. Whereas if you look at some of the, some of the other games, he was, it was a little more scattershot in how he has been missing. So that tells me he's, he's thinking about it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's not getting in his own head necessarily. He's working through a process. And so he's been a little more scattershot than this. Here he's consistently missing sort of the same way. That's progress. I think he's going to continue to, to, to evolve. And if you think about how he's already demonstrated himself, you know, you know, to the fans, certainly to the team as a leader and what he's bringing to the table, I think he's going to be demonstratively improved even over the next couple games as he continues to fine tune that. And you think about you're there except for let's step into the throw as opposed to your back foot. I mean, we saw, was it Coker last year did a lot of that and he's, and he cleaned that up and, and he became a much better passer Would that something that Jalen can clean up and start connecting, start hitting those guys in strides, getting those touchdowns, getting those extra yards. Um, that's going to be, that's something I think that's going to be fun to watch because it's, I think it's there. I think the writing on the wall, it's there. The dots are there. Um, it's not like he doesn't have the talent. And then how do we sort of overcome this deficiency of talent? It's, He's a high school. I mean, he's he's a you know this year, this time last year he was in high school, right? I mean, he is a true freshman, uh, bab- baptism by fire. But he has a lot of the raw potential, a lot of the raw skills, and we're going to start to see some of it develop. No, I look. He had, he had good stats on the game, right? People listen to this show so we can point out things and be sure. fair about our team, and and that's just you know that that was. If it was one time, I wouldn't have brought it up. Sure, sure. But because it was three times that you know that were very key big plays, um, that speaks to how good of a play call it was. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about. Um, I was surprised at our use of formations to start the game. Like we we keep running these, we keep running the sets with three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. Um, just lots of different formations. Like to start sure. the game. To start the game, we did the Calvin Ridley sweep around the end, and I went back and slow mode the five or six first plays, and it was all O.J. Howard was split wide as a wide receiver, but obviously he's a tight end. And so I found it very interesting how we were pretty much four wide in different variations of that. You know, sometimes one split out wide by himself and three trips to the other side or two and two, but I found it interesting how you know, every game to start the season now, Lane comes in with that package of three wide receivers and, and OJ, and he splits them all out there, you know, with his, you know, five linemen and his, you know, Jalen and sure. his running back. And I, I just, I find it interesting that he's staying with this theory of I'm going to stretch the edges to start the game, and he does it for those scripted plays. Well, and I think it's a couple of different things. I think that. You know, we have been running a lot of 11 personnel. And then when, when you have a Howard, he you know, he's flexible because he can split out. And if you get him, you know, sort of mismatched or wrong, you know, around, 
you know, with the wrong guy, he can be, you know, even more dangerous, right? And so what I think some of it is, and, and you know, it, I think it's right there, right? Because it's so, you know, why does it always in the seem to be in the scripted plays? Well, because those are pulse-taking plays. How are they going to defend these plays? And if we can sort of decode, we probably have watched enough film that we have an idea, but let's watch them defend this. How are they going to defend this? And that's going to tell us how we think that we can attack them. It's almost like we're going to let us run our first series as a survey of your defense. Okay, now that we've taken the survey, here's how you know we can line up some some future play calls. Here's how we can sort of take the temperature. And so when you know when we do the jet the jet sweep. Um, you know, and a lot of times we do hand it, we do hand it off and that's a whole other conversation we can have, but you know, who goes in motion, you know, with or without Ridley, how does the defense adjust? And so we may have the play call that that's, you know, we're going to jet sweep with, with Ridley, but we may be watching the backside safety. How does he react to this? And so there's a couple of things going on there. When we split Howard out, I mean, we want to see who goes with them and how do they adjust their, their coverage? Uh, you know, in, in that type of situation? Is that going to lighten up the box or are they going to, you know, do, do, are they anticipating and they want to cover them with an extra, you know, safety or something? So I think a lot of those are sort of surveying the defense. That, you know, that's my thought on that anyways. Well, hey, real quick, this should have been the lead story on what jumped out at me for the game. It should have been that these were some of the crappiest referees I've seen all season. And I hope they don't do a Bama game the rest of the year. Because I yeah, can say that yeah. because I'm not Coach Saban and I'm just a podcast guy, so I can say they sucked because they sucked. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed uh, uh, Brett Bielema's interview coming out of half uh, when he was getting on. And, look, I agree with him. It shouldn't have been – you know, I can see from where the guy who threw the flag, you know, it looked like a takedown on Deshaun Hand. But he's – there's a reason he's not the one supposed to be making that call. And, uh, you know, because from the reverse angle, that's, it didn't look like a, a, a that hole. wasn't a totally like, bad call, man. There were and, lots of bad calls. No, no, no. I understand. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I agree with his sentiment where he, you know, he, you know, he definitely gave the official down the road and he got a flag for it. And then he was asked about it and he said, well, I'm just telling, I just wanted to tell him how good of a job he was doing because, you know, not only was he doing his job, he was doing someone else's job. So, you know, so you turn, you know, tongue firmly in cheek, he must really be good at his job. And I just got a kick out of that. But yeah, I agree. There were some, there were some sloppy, you know, play calls. It was, what was the game? I think it was the Ole Miss game where there were so many, it was the Ole Miss game. There were so many, uh, you know, plays that went to review and so many plays reversed. And I think kind of the uninitiated might call that the worst officiated game because so many things were, were overruled, but that's actually how it's designed to go. Call it, you know, with the most latitude of, of, you know, possible on the field. And then let's go get it right. These guys, they just miss things. And, and they missed quite a lot of things. And there dude, were, on the, dude, on the fumble that should have been a fumble by Jacobs at the beginning of the game, when you go back yeah. and watch it, they didn't even – the five people around there, around the play, didn't even think it was a fumble. The Arkansas guys running out with the play or running out with the ball number twenty, and they're all looking like, "Why does he have the ball, dude?" If it wasn't yeah. for if it if this was twenty years ago, okay, 
that would have been Bama's ball, third and goal at the one, and you and I know we want it done the right way. I mean, that was atrocious that none of them saw that it was a fumble. Yeah, none of them and, tried to see it was a fumble. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I agree, and and there were other bad calls too, and 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 in both ways, for and against both teams, calls and non-calls. You know, there were some pass interference calls that I thought probably shouldn't have been called. And there were a couple I thought, well, I mean, if you're going to call that other one, you might all would call this one too. And and so they just seemed kind of scattershot in, in how they were calling the game. You know, I, I'm going to say fortunately, and I guess it's easy for me to say because, you know, I, I'm speaking from the Alabama perspective, but I don't think they impacted the outcome of the game. They were just sloppy. They were sloppy, man. They were sloppy. And, you know, even like that, you know, even like that, uh, that uh, penalty on Rashawn Evans. I mean, that was that was a bad one too. Yeah, I mean, there 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 were there were numerous calls that were bad, and I just wanted to make sure we we got that out of the way here before we before we talked about something else. Um, yeah. What, what what jumped out at you on offense? I'm going to tell you what jumped out to me on offense, and this plays into the time of possession, and and we're going to hit that. You we're going to ring that bell again when we get to defense. But of of the uh, Alabama scoring drives, we had a 40 – you know, we scored quickly. When we scored, we scored very quickly. We had a 46-second drive. We had a 202 drive. We had a minute 43 drive. We had a minute 31, and we had a minute 26. And then we had the two defensive scores, which really, you know, zero times on the clock. And that's Out very, Alabama, very typical Bama, right? What's that? That's not Alabama, right? That's no, not, how not we at all. Do it. And and when you think about, and you said a minute ago about taking the air out of the ball, you almost want to joke and say, I don't know when that was because of the fifteen possessions that Alabama had, only two. Sink in this for a minute. Only two out of fifteen possessions lasted longer than three minutes, and one wow. went one went three fifty three, and one went three fifty seven. Tommy, those are short drives. You know, a three-minute possession, and I understand. You know, we were using tempo a little bit more and, and all of that. Yeah, but, but you three also- minutes, it, especially in a game where you know, look, and you and I are go into games thinking, hey, we're thin on defense. Let's do tempo and let's score some points, but let's pick moments in the game to preserve our defense and possess the ball. Uh, I would have expected us to do more possessing of the ball, especially once we got the lead. But, uh, and you know, and that's a little bit of, well, we can't help it if a swing pass goes 50 yards for a touchdown. And we can't help it if Josh and Her- and, and, and Damian Harris both break 50-plus yard runs. Correct. And Bo Scarborough runs for 20 yards. You know, we can't necessarily help that. And we're not going to take those points off the board. And so it's a little bit of sort of counterbalance because, I mean, well, but then when you have two most of the plays I called, they're not down the field strikes. Those are all sort of line of possession. I mean, hell, four, three of them or four of them are runs, and one of them's a little swing pass. So those are all sort of inside the box or inside, you know, the eight yard sort of window plays. So we can't help it that they scored fast in 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 those plays. But man, there's it, you think also we got to possess the ball and, and protect the offense, our defense, and that's something that really stood out to me. No, I'm I'm with you, but like you said, you you don't expect Josh Jacobs to break a 56 yarder when he came in. You don't expect Damian Harris to break a 57 yarder on the next series. You don't right. expect to, you know, for them to fumble the kickoff, and then 
you got the Tim Williams play and you got the make a hundred yard play. You don't expect any of those things, right? And so what's ironic about what you just said about the time of possession is it wasn't till the last drive of the first quarter that we had uh, one of those long drives, right? It went three minutes and 37 seconds. And what was interesting about that is it ended on a punt. Right. <laughs> so, right. so, so that one, that one we started at our, at our 11 yard line and we ended up punting from our 37. So what I find funny about that is we only gained 26 yards of field position. And that was one of our longest uh, time of possessions of the game. And it was only eight right. plays for 26 yards. So yeah, there, there were a lot of sort of misleading stats that way, right? I mean, no, it, took, it takes you know three and a half minutes to gain twenty yards, but then you know we've got fifty yard touchdowns in, in just mere seconds. Uh, you know, the time of possession, you would think that they won, uh, you know, and then you know they didn't, and then the sack and sort of turnover uh, battle and and beating up their quarterback, you would think that that there's no way that they pass for as many yards as they did, and so there's a lot of sort of phantom stats here which makes this game a little interesting. Um, I, I think certainly, uh, you know, from our perspective, there's, but I, you know, I just go back, I'm bullish on this team and there's a lot to like in the, in this game. And so I think, you know, the stuff on offense, I mean, I, I don't want to distill it for you, but I'll distill it for me. The, the couple of things that we didn't like about offense are, are sort of pale in comparison to the stuff that we do like on offense. Well, I mean, Okay, Arkansas, you know, should have a more dynamic quarterback, right? He comes in with a little bit more of a resume, right? Just because, uh, you know, sure. of, of, of he just does. And so when you break down the final stats, we had 517 yards on 51 plays. They had 473 yards on 84 plays. And I'm not trying to read stats for, for guys here, sure. but we averaged 10.1 yards a play. They averaged 5.6 yards a play. Right. Mm -hmm. So just in big picture, we had just as many yards as they did on on 33 less plays. Right. That's huge. I mean, that that's a that's a huge thing. Right now, I will say um, also in this game, not only did we under throw some wide receivers before we flipped the field that we talked about, but we also fumbled the ball and gave the ball away yeah. inside their 10 yard line twice. And yet we still, and yet we still put up forty nine points in this ball game. So yeah, that's that's so easily. Yeah, that's easily points, right? I mean, if you want to be uber conservative and say that's six points, all right. But you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to say, especially if we the, put the big packages in there, that's ten to fourteen points. Uh, and I mean, add fourteen points to forty nine, and tell me what number you come up with. That's a pretty big number. So, so Halloween hadn't come yet, but this might be Halloween early because while I pointed out the underthrows just because I thought it was enough yeah. to point out, you and I have been doing this a while. For them to score 49 points at Arkansas on the road, fumbling twice inside their 10-yard line, right? 500 yeah. yards of offense? We hadn't seen that, man. So nice. you got to call a spade a spade. I mean, that's that's – you know, there's a reason Saban was still happy about the offensive game in this ball game, because yeah. I'm sorry, these guys are these these guys are. I mean, our Darius Stewart, who 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 was able to get ease back in this game, um, was just yet another weapon that you could put out there, 
and he had five catches for 120 yards and it didn't even look like he did anything. And Calvin Ridley right. comes back after after we overused Calvin Ridley, he comes back with three catches for 14 yards. So I guess my point is we got all these wide receivers and we didn't even have to beat you over the head with them. We had five throws to our Darius, one to a guy named Miller who you didn't even see on tape, and one to O.J. Howard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like this team's got an embarrassment of riches, man. Well, it really they, does. They, 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 really, they really, really do. They, they have an embarrassment of riches. And, and when I watch this game with my young kids and I point out this player and I say, well, this player was the number one uh, ranked running back in the country coming out of high school. And this player was the number one ranked wide receiver coming out of high school. And this player was the number one overall player in the high school. Sure, sure. My, my daughter's like, Daddy, how does one team have so many number one overall players? Well, they're just freaking Alabama, man, and it's good to be an Alabama fan. It definitely is. And, it, it, you know, he, he, you know, Damian had a big day, 128. Or Darius had, you know, a buck 20, and, you know, unfortunately he, he had the fumble. But then if you do look at some of the other stat, stat lines, you know, for, you know, Josh probably would have had 100 lines, 100 yards had he not, you know, been hurt. But, you know, if you look at Bo and you look at, and, and then start to look at some of their wide receivers and, and Howard and Ridley and their stat lines, and you say some of the guys that you might otherwise say are some of the best players on the team, it looked like they didn't really have an opportunity. And so when you say, man, there's some guys that had monster stat lines and some guys that look like, you know, they were the stepkids. And, um, you know, it, it does – you know, I guess embarrassment of riches is is the right answer because you know you think there's there's two or three other guys that we wouldn't be surprised if they had a hundred yard you know two touchdown days either. No, absolutely, man. This team has just come a long way from the days of Julio Jones and Amari Cooper, where we were like, got you know Amari and Julio bail us out. I guess what I'm saying is this team doesn't have to count on one guy, and that might be due to Lane Kiffin. And that might be to Jalen Hurts, and that might yeah. be a combination of the two. Yeah. And so um, the other thing I'll say very quickly is, once again, uh, Jalen Hurts, they didn't overuse him. Not only did they only have 17 pass attempts. Now, they only had the ball for 23 minutes, and so, like you mentioned, that's a little bit of a misnomer, but he only had eight carries, which I like. Um, I found it interesting of his eight carries rushing the ball. Six of them came in that first quarter and changed. And so his carries came early, and then they kind of shut him down. Yep, yep. Give me, uh, give me your mini game ball on offense. Man, uh, I like it much better when you go first. Um, mini game ball on offense, man. I am going to, I'm going to have to give it uh, to Bradley Bozeman, and I, I just keyed on him a lot in this ball game. Um, I thought Ross had a. I thought Ross had an off game. Uh, I thought Cam had an off game. Uh, they 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 definitely missed some some blocks and and missed some plays. Um, but Bradley, man, dude, dude was on his game. I mean, every time I keyed on him, he was he was damn driving the Arkansas nose guard three four yards down the field. Um, we're gonna look back at the end of the season and be like, well, damn, this is one of these unsung heroes. You know, maybe this is the embarrassment of riches again, right? You lose a three-year starter at center. That's supposed to make a difference, and right. um, we're not skipping a beat with Bradley Bozeman. And so um, I could have given it to other guys, but but I had to give it to the big ugly. No, that's fair. And and I actually had a hard time figuring out. And I like Bozeman. I, that's a that's you know that's a good pick. Um, 
I had a hard time figuring out, you know, who, who I thought I, I maybe wanted to give it to. And so, you know, I, I'm going to go, you know, kind of sentimental just the way that I do sometimes. I'm giving it to Miller Forrestal for his first catch. Uh, it was a good catch. As he was catching it, I just – I thought, oh, that's an – he's going to drop that. Uh, and, he, and he caught – he sort of rolled over and, and caught it. And like you said, it was it was behind him, and he otherwise would have scored. But um, I thought that showed, you know, for, again, for a true freshman. And he only played one year of tight end in high school. He was a quarterback, uh, you know, up, up through his jun- junior year. And so uh, I thought that really showed some athleticism. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a sign of something we've got there in, in him in that position. So I gave him the nod as my mini game ball. All right, man. Well, in the true uh, in the true uh, theory of the mini game ball, so flip the field on defense, man. I got I got some stuff to uh, that you're not going to be too happy with. So I'm going to let you go first. You know, just a lot of miscommunications in the secondary, and you know, if you and, and if you watch it, if you you know, for those who watch all the player interviews, there's there's really no surprise there. But you know, Minka, Eddie Humphrey, and Ryan Anderson all have commented on. We didn't play to our standard. We need to go back and, and work on this. And as much as I didn't like giving up the 400 yards, I really like hearing the leaders on the defense say that. And 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 not just give it lip service, but they're serious about it. And uh, so that's something, if you take the game and sort of some of the post game as a whole, that's, I think, what stood out to me. Uh, I didn't like giving up the yards, but I like seeing the leadership on defense. And that's what – gives me the confidence that we can overcome some of this. And, 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 you know, if you want to sort of break even some of it apart, <laughs> Ryan Anderson covering uh, Sprinkle, their, their tight end, it's a mismatch all day. And why they didn't go back to that, um, I don't know. Uh, I like Ryan Anderson as a leader, as a contributor, but he's an inside-the-box kind of player. You get him in coverage, I don't like that. And so – the fact that there was a touchdown given away there, um, I hate to say I'm not surprised, but um, I right, think it's stuff that we can fix. All right, let's start there, okay? We, we got to jump on this one first, okay? They consistently stayed in a 3-4-4 in this game, and I don't understand why. Right. They did not play their base nickel. This was well before Reuben Foster got hurt, and I got to tell you, there were many times that Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams were standing up. They didn't have their hands in the dirt at the end of the line of scrimmage in the 3-4-4. There were other times that they had Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams drop back in the box beside Reuben Foster and Sean Deon Hamilton as a true linebacker, right, in the 3-4-4. And well, Williams they, batted the ball. But Dave, uh, you know, but, but Dave we were dropping back, he batted a ball. But Dave, we were sitting. They were sitting there in three and four wides, right? And we still, and we still had our third cornerback on the sideline. And I'm sitting here thinking, where in the hell is Anthony Avery? I, I thought he was hurt. I was sure. like, okay, he got hurt. I didn't see it. Um, you know, the the sideline person hadn't seen it. They would hadn't talked about it. Why did I miss this, etc.? And then I saw Avery come back in, and he would come in in some situations in four wides and then other times okay they never stayed in the base in five wides but numerous times arkansas on three and four wides we had both ryan anderson and tim williams in the game together and Averett was nowhere to be found 
And so to I your think, point, I couldn't understand that. That was dumb. And we did at least 15 plays. Yeah, I think we were convinced that they were going to try to line up and smash smash us in the mouth. And so we and, wanted to so we wanted to so we wanted to hedge our bet and say we know you're going to run the ball so Averett's going to stay on the sideline. Yeah, so we're you know, we're going to we're going to line up in more of our true base uh, personnel because that's what we're expecting that you're going to run at it. And even if you give us different looks, we think that you're going to try to run at us. And and so we just overthought it, right? And and look, there's a reality that said, no, there's a reality that says, you know, going back a couple of weeks, Arkansas running the ball against us was a concern. You know, we spent last time, we spent time, you know, talking about them after the after our Kentucky show, um, talking about Arkansas running running the ball against us and, and that being a legitimate threat. And so, you know, to the extent that that was a concern to us, it probably was a concern to, to our coaches and 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 so we probably we probably said, oh no no I don't I don't buy this look that they're giving us. They're still going to try to pound the ball on us, and and at no time did they really seem to want to try to do that. Um, I, I think I don't know if this has something to do with who we practice against every day, right? Because you know how Lane Kiffin will sit. We just talked about Lane Kiffin open the game with. You know, three wide receivers and OJ wide for a four wide look, and he still ran the ball. Sure. And I don't know if there's something to that, you know, and like, well, gosh, you know, this is who we're defending against in practice all the time. Because my point is, is our base is our nickel. And if you sit there and you let Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson put their hands in the dirt and you rotate in guys to keep them fresh and you got four down linemen and then you got Sean Deon Hamilton and Reuben Foster. And then you got five defensive backs, and you slide one of those uh, safeties down into the box for support. You got seven guys in the box if you slide Ronnie Harrison down and let Eddie Jackson play center field. Right. I mean, what we said going into this Arkansas game is we've got to develop depth. Okay. And we said we're concerned that we're seeing too much Deron Payne and we're seeing too much Reuben Foster. And I'll comment on that in a minute. That's we weren't saying we're concerned about you running the ball. We said we're concerned about how you run the ball against our backups, which by the way is still a concern from the third and fourth quarter. Sure. Right? They they didn't address the personnel thing wrong and they repeatedly, repeatedly screwed that up. And and I will also say, um, you know, a couple of those big plays were was totally on Eddie Jackson. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you're an Eddie Jackson fan. Sure. Uh, on that big play where Mika in the first half sat there with a minute left in the first half. Yeah, he was out of position and slipped. There's no question. But, but but Mika thought that he – okay, see, here's the thing, okay? And and so, you know, Mika said afterwards, I thought I had a pick and, you sure. know, I shouldn't have gone after the ball, et cetera. Well, yes, you're still a young guy, okay? You, you still technically are a sophomore. And so while you've got game experience, yes – and, and that goes back to my comment at the beginning of the show where I said we could have put you know our foot on their throat, right? Well, you've got to understand that you're up 35 to 10 at the end of the first court half and there's a minute left in the game. Just bat the ball down and let, make them punt, right? And run the clock out and go to the locker room. And so Mika didn't do that. He tried to make a play on the ball. But Eddie Jackson, in my opinion, yes, he slipped. But you and I both know what he should have done 
is he should have been playing prevent there, right? He should have been well behind the play. And I'm just going to, you know, if, if Mika misses, I'm going to get you. You're yeah. not going to get by me. There's no way at the 50 I'm going to let you run another 40 yards. And uh, and so that garbage touchdown at the end of the half kept Arkansas in the game. And um, that's, that's just what happened. Yeah, and there's a probably a little bit. And you're not going to hear Mika say this because, you know, I think they're they're good teammates, but and and just it's a it's a leadership thing. But you know he probably makes the decision to go on the ball first because he thinks he can get it. Second, he probably expects that he has safety safety help over the top, and so he thinks the sort of the backside's covered if he does miss it. And you know and and so that's Eddie really Eddie playing it wrong too. And so they both kind of played it wrong, you could argue. And, uh, you know, so Minka goes for it and that, you know, he doesn't get it. And so that plays right into Eddie being a little bit out of position. If, if, if only one of them had misplayed it, right, then it's not, it's not what it was. And it, it took both of them. And so that's, that's an example of a play that's, that's, oh man, that's so frustrating. But when you go back and you look at it on film and you know, and, and it's not because we hope that the players can can overcome that. It's because we've seen them not make dumb plays like that. So when they go back and watch that on film, that's something that we trust that they can correct. Is it frustrating to watch? Yes. But am I confident that that's something that can be addressed? Yes, That that's a yes as well. So what do you think about this formation thing, though? Like right there when when – obviously Ryan Anderson before that touchdown and you probably did the same thing watching this like you you sat there and called it was going to be a touchdown right like you knew oh, yeah. they were about to score right and yeah. so so I know Saban likes to hold on to his timeouts and stuff but right there when Ryan looked really clueless okay and what's so funny is or not funny but what's so frustrating is you could see for the first time all season a true breakdown in communication because when you took out that third cornerback and you took Averett out of the game and you forced uh, Minka and Marlon to, like, try to, to decide who they match up with, right, they, mm-hmm. they, they all kept struggling, like, who's guys who? They didn't know who to tell Williams and, and Anderson to cover and the safety didn't know who to cover and the cornerbacks didn't know which one they were going to cover. And it was like – can't you just call a timeout and like try to talk about this and get your crap together? Yeah. I was surprised we didn't call a timeout there to save that touchdown pass. Yeah. At that point, or, you know, at least at some point, and at least at some point you got to realize, Hey, there I'm observing that there's a lot of, you know, communication breakdown. When we get back on the sidelines and we talk about it, we're talking about, you know, Oh yeah, we've okay, that coverage. We didn't know what to cover, and and there's a, there's a reason, right? When you when when we're in our base, truly, you know, four DBs, then Minka plays a cornerback position. But when we come, and so he's on he's on one of the edges. When we're in what you and I call our base, which is a nickel, then he comes down and he plays the star position, and Averett comes out and plays the other corner. And so it's it's not just that there's a fifth DB, but one of the DBs is changing positions. Like literally, he's a different position in the defense. And so it's it's not one change; it's really two. And so that's where you start to get, oh, I know how I would cover this 
in that other defense, but we're not running that other defense. And I, I, I got to think, what am I doing over here versus directing, you know, kind of the other folks. And, and we don't play it enough that he, you know, that it leads to that type of uh, communication. And so why we didn't, and, and, you know, the irony, I'll, I'll say this, the irony is, and this is where I just think we out, we tried to outthink it. The irony is, we can stop teams from running out of a nickel. We do it every day. Right. We we've seen it enough, right? Right. It's our base. And, and so the default setting should have been, let's play our base. Let's not let them dictate. Then if we need to make an adjustment, then let's make that adjustment. But let's start doing what we do because, guys. Let's see it how it works. goes. Yes. Right. Because it works. And it works up front and it works on the back end. And so we adjusted, I think, to sort of compensate for the front, which they never really attacked us that way. Again, probably they could have and should have uh, because they would have sort of wore us out. But guess what? They wore us out anyways. Um, and and then they did it in the secondary. And so, yeah, I'm sure that they were – I'm sure that, you know, when he was upright, uh, Allen got a lot of looks and there were a lot of soft spots that, that maybe he was not anticipating. Because he sure shredded, you know, what was out there for 400 yards. No, absolutely. Now, I will tell you, not only did Eddie Jackson, okay, on that play where he slipped that gave up the 57-yarder to Cornelius to, to get him to the 16. Yep. But on the touchdown play, to be fair, I also think Eddie was out of alignment. They had They had trips to the right. And Ronnie Harrison was blitzing on the right edge outside of Jonathan Allen. So we're so we're in so we are in a nickel. Ronnie Harrison, Ronnie Harrison is over on the right end. You've got trips to the right for, for Arkansas, and Eddie Jackson creeps up to the line of scrimmage to the box and doesn't give any help over the three wide receivers at all. Right. Right. None. And that's and that's where they completed the pass to Hatcher, which I can't even fault Humphrey for that. I know Humphrey was mad at himself. That that Hatcher, you know, made that that touchdown right there at half. But I'm sorry, it was a great throw, skinny post. <laughs> Safety should have given help over the top, in my opinion. No, no, no. I I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I want to switch gears and talk about our our defensive front. Um, I I mean, they were lights out getting after the quarterback. I uh, Pro Football Focus uh, released uh, stats, and they said out on. Out of uh, 61 dropbacks, which think about that, that's a huge number. Uh, out of 61 dropbacks, he was pressured, uh, Austin Allen was pressured 42 times, resulting in seven sacks and nine hits. That guy, I mean, if you watched him, his body language was awful. <laughs> I mean, he was just shaking his head and just looking at the sidelines like, give me some help out here. Um I loved it when his six foot ten left tackle one time literally picked him up by his shoulder pads. Yes, but but now the other thing too is when we talk about the lack of depth on the defensive line, and you're pinning your ears back and you're rushing the quarterback sixty one times, that's going to be very tiring more so than playing against the run. It is, and we had I think we had seven different players that had at least four pressures, and so we did try to rotate. I mean, we had true freshman Terrell Terrell Hall out there, and he got a sack and some and some pressures, and we tried to rotate a lot of guys sort of at the edges, 
at the end of the game we did. Yeah, yeah, it, you're right because we did play a lot of our, you know, sort of inside guys and 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 sort of main personnel. I mean, with limited exception, you know, because I did I did see Josh Frazier. We came out in sort of a two uh, defensive tackle look, and you know, with a four man front a couple of times, and and Josh Frazier uh, was in there. We did get away from that. I think early on we realized, okay, we don't need to do this. Um, but if you take away just those types of exceptions, we played four guys as our primary rotation across the defensive front. We didn't even see a whole lot of Dakota Ball until later. It was well, Dakota Ball and Frazier were both pretty late, right? Yeah. Like Frazier, like to your point, when we had the fumble, okay, when when Jacobs fumbled the ball and Arkansas came out with the ball, you know, first and ten, um, right after the fumble. Josh Frazier was in on the very first play. But then I don't think he played again until much later in the game. He did not. He did and not so play again until he came in with Dakota Ball. That was his only play. Right. And so I, you know, and so you saw the same thing that I did. It was primarily four defensive linemen rotating in for the vast bulk of the game. We're talking a lot of snaps here. And it was Deshaun Hand coming in and he would come in and look. He's a caliber player. I would put him as as a as our top flight guys, but there were times when we would use him to sort of create a rotation. And there were times where Dalvin Tomlinson would go down uh, to the to, to the inside. So when he would otherwise maybe need or deserve a break, he was going in to backfill for Deron Payne. And we got some sort of like bob and weave of how we were rotating, you know. We gotta have three of them out there, and there's only four of them. And and how do you sort of allocate and and, and manage the snaps? And they at the, towards the end of the game, it was visible on TV that they were just gassed. But see, but see what's so what's so funny about that? And by the way, the reason I think we saw Frazier on that one play is it was first and ten at the Arkansas one yard line. Right. They were right at the one yard line. Right. But this goes back to the alignment we said earlier. <laughs> if you had played your true base nickel and you had let ryan anderson and tim williams be in that rotation in the four down line rotation right you give the guys more wind right but because you played a three four four tim williams and ryan anderson were not able to help uh they were not able to help in the rotation for deron Payne and dalvin tomlinson right you like you like you exasperated the situation. You put more pressure on Dalvin Thomason and Deron Payne. Hell, that's who we should give the mini game ball to, because <laughs> yeah. because those two guys played. I mean, I wish I had a snap count of how many damn plays those two guys played. Yeah, between and actually, you called it four, but to be fair, a lot of times it was Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Dalvin Thomason. They were the guys. No, it was. They, it they was. were the guys. But and, but Hand was in there and, and Tomlinson yeah. went down and and some of that was probably a little bit later. But um, you know there was one there was one time and this was later in the game. I saw um, uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen on the sideline together, and I was like, "Who's tending the store?" <laughs> you know. Well, you know, I, if I, you guys I, are over there on the sideline, who's who's in who's in the game? Well, I will tell you, and, and this is something we should touch on now. So, obviously, we talked about the depth at the at the inside interior defensive line position, which, once again, was 
basically covered with smoke and mirrors by bringing in Jonathan Allen and, and bringing yeah. Deshaun Hand inside. And then when Reuben Foster gets hurt, when he flies over the the pile and lands on his helmet and, and you know lands on his head and and knocks himself out of the game, um, I think we the only reason we saw depth develop there is because their hand was forced. And so while they didn't show depth for Deron Payne that we talked about before this game, Rashawn Evans got called to duty only because they had no choice. And so it was interesting that they brought Rashawn Evans in right away and he played the rest of the game and got some valuable time in the game and he looked comfortable. I'm not saying he's there yet, but that speed that he played with inside, I'm sorry, it was a, it was a CJ Mosley glimpse. Okay. Listeners don't think I'm full of shit, man. Fast forward a year from now and you'll be like, look at number 32. Yeah, and um, that that's going to be fun to watch. No, it, it will be. You know, it's and I, I you know, our hand was forced. I, that's that's probably pretty close to being right. It, but you know, you can look at it and say, at least you're bringing in Rashawn Evans, and we can feel comfortable about that. If our hand is ever forced, you know, you know, for Deron Payne, then it will not be as comfortable of a feeling as oh, we've got you know, so-and-so who I feel really good about coming in. And so, you know, yeah, that was a great opportunity for him to get some reps and he'll be a better player for it. Um, we don't have that level of proxy at the nose guard. No, no, they luck, they lucked into the Rashawn Evans thing. But the reason yeah. I pointed out is we said a year ago, we said a year ago, right? Yep. Who are we going to find in the middle? We said a year ago, Rashawn Evans. Sure, sure. And, and, and we said – this might be the guy in the future that they move inside. So I just you know, want to pat ourselves on the back on that one. No, no, we, um, did. we did. But I'll tell you what, though, uh, talking about the inside linebacker, Sean Deion Hamilton, I think he had his best day of his career. Uh, he was really laying some wood out there, and he had nine total tackles. I, I think Hamilton had a phenomenal day. I think Reuben Foster going down – Helped Sean Deion Hamilton. Yeah, but he was doing some of this one false. I hear what you're saying. He, he he had to handle the load a little bit. He was calling the plays for the front seven when Ruben went down, and it's almost like his play was elevated a little bit when Ruben went down. That's all I'm saying. That's fine. He was doing some of this before Ruben was in there, so uh, you know I, I'll give a little yin, yin and yang there. But what I'll net out saying, I feel really good about us having three middle linebackers. No, no, that's fair. Now, I will say that we shot, We should have seen Keith Holcomb, in my opinion. We should have seen Keith Holcomb sure. much more than we did. Yep. Um, we, saw Chris, we saw Christian Miller uh, in pass rushing situations. We saw Anthony Jennings when Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson were gassed and we consistently stayed with that damn base 3-4-4. Anthony Jennings came in for Tim Williams on the sure. on the outside on the three four four, and, but, and we talked about how we can situationally bring in depending upon what we're going to do because we have that level of of sort of you know depth there. Um, we just don't have it everywhere. No, we don't. And we I will tell you. So the other question that you just said about Deron Payne was answered. It was answered huge by Todd Blackledge comment. You know, doing the commentary on this game. You know, I don't have the breakdown right in front of me of the number of passing yards that 
Well, I guess they had about 200 yards in the first half, so they had about 200 yards Arkansas did in the second half then. But the biggest thing in the second half, which I found interesting, is we did not bring our starters out on defense at all, even though they had run so many plays. We just simply brought in Dakota Ball and Josh Frazier, um, you know, with – Finally, the the true freshman Darrell, uh, well, Deshaun Hand, and then finally Terrell Hall, and Todd Blackwood is like, look what this guy can do when he's got time to throw the ball. He's shredding them because he's got time to throw the ball. Right. And so that answered your question about the backups. They're they're they the backups are not ready. Yeah, and right. Dakota Ball and Josh Frazier. Um, I know why we haven't seen Josh Frazier earlier now. Josh yeah. Frazier is not ready to be a backup. No, he's not, and and that's that's unfortunate. You know, I, this. I mean, this. But my point is, they got to find somebody else quickly because the audi- he he did not pass his audition. No, no, and it, you know, which which begs, where do you go to find him? Right? You 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 know, you can't sign someone off the. You know, there are no street free agents and in college football. Yeah, so, but there's some other true freshmen that you said you wanted to see and I think it's time to I think it's time to pull some more red shirts. Well, you know, that'll be interesting to see. There are some there are some other guys, but you know, you there's a part of me that says if if you know, if they haven't done anything yet, then they're probably not likely to, but I would, I'm going to I'm going to root for being wrong on that one. Let me let me ask you this and and you know, it'll this will sound like a silly question, but in the context of of what we're saying, I think it's serious. Um, do you do you think there was anyone, uh, defensive players, maybe even coaches, wishing that uh, Minka had just taken a knee instead of returning that? I think that Minka only returned that because of Eddie Jackson. Oh, without a question. And while without and while I had to call Eddie Jackson out a minute ago because he's a senior leader and he had a subpar game for a few plays, that was a hell of a play. That's oh, Eddie Jackson being Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson, that's why he's such a damn good punt returner because he was able to turn and look up the field and turn to me and say, come on, man. Yeah, he's down right here. He's, he's so wasn't Eddie Jackson. Right? Minka so- would not have done that. No, well, if you look at how Minka caught it, Minka had his back to the field. I mean, it just the athleticism of him catching the ball because he really had kind of had his back to the field, and and then he caught it. And Eddie was just right there juxtaposed, right where he had where he was facing the field, and so he could see, you know, what Minka kitten couldn't. And had Eddie not been there to sort of convey that message to him, Minka probably would have just taken the knee, and and you know, and that would have been okay. And, and look, I, it was a phenomenal play. I'm not trying to – I don't take away from that for a second. But there was a part of me, as I was cheering and watching the touchdown, I thought, congratulations, defense, you scored a touchdown. Now you get to go back out on the field. <laughs> when you're already freaking gassed. Right. It's like, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know, can we cash in for something different? But what does that say about our depth at secondary for a moment? Because we had not played a – okay, because we played a true 3-4-4 four, four in this game for our base, and so Anthony Averett did not play as many snaps. Did you find it telling at the end of the game when we did not see Deontay Thompson or Carter? Did you – I mean, seriously, like – 
I thought it was very telling that we're like uh, thoroughbreds. We're, we're we 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 won. You know, <laughs> we're riding you to the end, even though they've had the ball for eighty plays. Like I found it very interesting that we didn't give Humphrey or or Fitzpat or Minka any any relief whatsoever. Yeah, it was like the only guys who got some relief were the outside linebackers. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I found it very interesting that that we said, hey, you know. Eddie, Ronnie, Marlon, Minka, just, you know, get you some, get you some oxygen when you come off to the sideline and get back out there. I mean, like <laughs> we, we, we didn't see any of the guys we saw earlier in the season. It really goes back to, you know, Saban's serious about, you know, the fitness and the conditioning programs. And that fourth quarter program is, I mean, look, I mean, it must really be no joke. Um, cause those guys, um, you know, the big guys, you can see them kind of slow down, but the little guys, you didn't see a whole lot of that. No. And they're sitting there running 40 yard pass routes with the rod receivers every play. Right. Dude, I'd be like freaking on a stretcher. It's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. I'll, I'll have to say, and it, it goes back to sort of every, you know, Saban is, is the master of, you know, I'll call it kind of like the master of the mosaic. Just do every little thing and it adds up to what it needs to be. And so what it needed to be is everyone fit and ready to play the full game. And guess what they were. But this goes back to the embarrassment of riches real quick, right? I think if this team doesn't have Marlon Humphrey and Minka Fitzpatrick, who were such highly recruited uh, national cornerbacks, this team right. would have lost this game. Right. No, there's no question. And and think if if we had, you know, and I hate to this far into the season keep bringing these guys up, but what if we had Sheffield and Mo Smith? Then guys could have gotten a little bit of a break. No, that's true. That's true. Well, talk me real quick. Well, um, talk me real quick about uh um. Well, give me your mini game ball unless you got something else on defense. No, I'm good. Uh, I tell you my mini game ball. I am giving it to, um. I'm going to fall into the Tommy trap because this guy's this guy's a bigger player, but I'm calling him out for the mini game ball for a very specific play. Can I say who you're going to give it to? Yeah, Hootie Jones. Nope. Ah, oh, damn. Okay, who? Uh, Jonathan Allen. Ah, that is definitely not mini game ball worthy. But I tell a you, party what, foul for sure. Well, I am giving Jonathan Allen mini game ball for for one for one play. And and I even wrote in, you know, sort of the things that I learned this week uh, watching Alabama. This was this was one of the bullet points that, that I put in, in my article. Jonathan Allen demonstrated exactly how smart he is. So remember the Ole Miss game a couple of weeks ago. He had an interception return for a touchdown and he had to haul 75 yards. And the whole sort of defensive guys that were escorting him. They were more into celebrating than they were escorting. And so they were not paying attention to the guys behind them. Yes. Right. And so a defender came and 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 actually tackled Jonathan in the end zone, but it was a touchdown. He he had possessed the ball. And so he learned from that. He was like, that's a long ways to run with a lot of people not <laughs> not helping me. And I get tackled in the end zone for all my troubles. And so when Tim Williams picked up that and it was only 23 yards, but when he picked it up and started running, Jonathan Allen was was part of the convoy, and Jonathan Allen spied 
a defender coming up, uh, you know, sort of coming up the sidelines. And Jonathan Allen just said, look, I'm going to do two things that are going to benefit everybody. I'm going to go knock this guy down, and then I'm going to stop running. <laughs> and I just got the biggest kick out of, look at Jonathan Allen going to peel off that guy. So, and Tim Williams is faster, all that. It's not a one-for-one. But if, if you, you know, suspend that a little bit, he goes, he, he's doing that because he wishes someone had done that for him. And then he realizes when I hit him, then I don't have to run to the end zone. <laughs> no, this is true, right? And, so, and, and, and I will say on that play, which, you know, speaks to this is why you practice it in practice, right? I mean, man, uh, Deron Payne. Uh, also leveled an offensive lineman was it was very excited about it leading the yep. way for Tim Williams, but when him and Jonathan Allen peeled 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 back right after Tim Williams picked up the ball, dude, it was like man, you couldn't coach that any better. Right, either one of them, how yeah. they sat there and led that caravan at at three fifteen and two hundred ninety five pounds or two hundred ninety one pounds. I mean, it's like you do the drill in practice, and it wouldn't have looked that good in practice as it did in the game. Right. I agree. Give me your mini game ball. All right, I got two, man. So first of all, one that's not going to track your how you like to do it, but I don't care, is Hootie Jones. Okay. Because Hootie Jones had both of his hands up, and he was celebrating Jonathan Allen's interception in the Ole Miss game. And he's the main guy that was responsible for letting the receiver run up beside him and not pay attention, even though Ronnie Harrison was screaming at him, guys coming up, guys coming up. So Hootie Jones – got a lot more snaps when they went, you know, they seemed very comfortable putting him in the back with Eddie Jackson in the dime. And so obviously he had a nice interception, but he also had a hell of a strip on the uh, special teams play on the kickoff coverage. And so I think this was the best game of Hootie Jones's career as an Alabama football player. This is what we were looking for Hootie Jones, right? With his pub coming out. Right. I think this was a game we were looking for Ho- Hootie about 18 games ago, and we got it. No, I, I'm with you. And, and, it's and I don't mean that critical. This was his coming out party. We're, we are going to see Hootie Jones make another key play on this stretch run. This was his coming out party in this ballgame. I'll equate it to this, and it's not one for one, but, but you know, it's, it's, in the same, it's in the same place. Um, you know, it was a handful. It was a couple of years ago where it just seemed like Nick Perry was never going to sort of get it. And then it clicked. And then he got it. And and it was visibly comfortable in the secondary. And, and the secondary improved, you know, as a result of having, you know, him perform better. At, and, and I think that he was – I think he was a lot of the times, you know, he, he moved up. I don't know, he kind of bounced around free safety. And then he was, a, you know, a dime back and – and but he reached a point where he was a lot more comfortable, and and that contributed overall to the performance of the defense. And so if if Hootie can be that guy, right? If he can be demonstratively comfortable, more comfortable with every sort of passing week, then yeah, that's going to be one of the things that's going to contribute to the secondary really flipping the switch on what happened Saturday. So I root for that. No, absolutely. Now my other game ball. Okay, because I got to get this out before he makes some big plays. All right. Um, has to go to Trail Hall. Okay. And so um, at one point, I just paused the camera and I just showed, you know, the people I was watching the game with. I said, You see that guy? I said, He's a true freshman. You see how much bigger he is than these other guys? I said, That's why Nick Saban 
is so great at what he does because of how full the cupboard is and how how much he stacks in his cupboard. Terrell Hall, um, I keyed on him a lot at the end of the game because it was him and Dakota Ball and Josh Frazier. And he put significant pressure on Austin Allen from the time he got in the game. And he kept getting a he kept getting a mitt on Allen. He yeah. didn't get a sack until the end, but two or three times he had a handful of jersey. And so he'd reach over, you know, the offensive lineman and grab Austin Allen's jersey. And so I was glad he finally got a sack there. Dude, we're going to see some plays from this kid before the season's over. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys. Anthony Jennings is is one of those guys. You know, I think they're right there. Not um, like Terrell Hall. No offense to Jennings. Hall's got something different. Hall's got something different, man. We, we, yeah, that's fair. I, we, we're going to see some. We're going to see some big rabbit rushing package play from Terrell Hall by by Mississippi State Auburn game. Okay, okay. I just think across the board. I I just think the next next generation of torchbearers are there, which is exciting. No, absolutely, man. So, talk me some special teams, man. I already stole your thunder with Hootie Jones, but uh, what what jumped out at you on special teams? Well, you know, I like I like JK doing what JK does. You know, four points, averaging just over fifty one. You know, fifty one and a half yards. Uh, I tell you, the biggest sort of uh, grin that I had though on special teams is when Arkansas did the onside kick, and our Darius Stewart was there to grab it. It was nice having that comfortable blanket there, right? Well, it's in, it's it's exactly what we talked about a couple of weeks ago during that you know the Ole Miss game that you know uh, you know Calvin Ridley was there. Would Calvin had been there if our Darius were healthy? And we both said no. And so, oh, look at that! That's our Darius Stewart right there. And I just got a big kick out of that. Like, well, I mean, who would have known that we would have had an opportunity to to maybe be proven right on that one? But but there it was. What'd you think about the the main thing that jumped out at me, man, is what'd you think about Marks being back there on kickoffs? That shocked the crap out of me. He 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 was the only guy who returned kickoffs. He returned five of them for us. Yeah, I mean, it shocked me just for a minute, but but that's probably probably about all. I don't think we're gonna put Eddie back there returning kickoffs, uh, punts. Yes, kickoffs probably not. And I think that our Darius. If he weren't one game, you know, this was his game back from injury. Um, I think when he sort of gets back, maybe call it up to full speed, that that he may be back there some more, and he may be splitting some some time back there. Um, and then you can talk about Trayvon. You know, he he was sort of peaking up, and then now he seems to be trending down. Uh, and then you know, there's been some reports coming out of practice that he's been wearing different sort of wraps and stuff. So you know, don't really know what the issue there is. And so when you take all of that as a whole, um, I'm not that surprised that Xavier is back there. You know, there's a part of me that said after what he sort of the stunt that he pulled uh, at the end of the game last week that he wouldn't be back there again. Uh, but that might just be a little bit of vindictive. If you look at the hole around, well, who else are you going to put back there? then he's probably as good of a pick as anyone else uh, because it keeps some of the other guys, some of the frontline guys, from having to do that. No, that's fair. Well, let me let me throw real quick here. I know we've run long here. Let me throw real quick the, uh, the screw-up play at the end of the first half. You know, Saban's interviewed at the half, and he just simply, you know, shrugs it off and says, well, if we had made it to the 35, we would have been under his range, and we yeah. were not, so we were out of yeah. his range. 
I think that was a cop out answer. You know, we we had first and you know we had second and four after the throw to Dieter at the thirty-seven, and then Damian Harris sits there and and loses two yards back to the thirty-nine and let the clock run out. Yeah. Um, you simply take your quarterback and if okay, you you take your quarterback and let him center the ball for you and you kick the field goal. You take a chance there for points. You know, this isn't Auburn two thousand thirteen. Um, I. I don't like them not trying him there at the 37, try a 54-yarder, try to get three more points on the board. Yeah, I agree. I think that we went into that not knowing what we wanted to do. And then by the time we figured out that, oh, maybe we can try this, it was too late. That's fair. Which which is not an excuse. You should know what you want to try to do. Uh, I, I'm not saying that that's a cop-out. That is the error. We should have known what we wanted to try to do there. Are we going to just let this run out, or are we going to – you know, and I see sometimes where we're just going to run the ball up the middle. We're going to let time run out. And someone busts a 60-yard run, well, then, okay, now we might try to do something different. But we weren't planning for a 60-yard run. In this situation, it's just we acted like we didn't know what we wanted to do, and by the time we figured it out, it was too late. Oh, that's fair. Well, well, tell me what you think about, um, uh, you know, some some lovely Tennessee fan has decided to uh, have fun with the Nick Saban statue today. Uh, which was a, a nice start to Tennessee week. What do you What do you think? What do you Did you get a chance to watch any of the uh, Tennessee Texas A and M ball game? Yeah, I did. I watched uh, a, a good portion of that and then switched over to uh, to our game. Ironically, and it's not the first time I've done this this season. When I flipped the channel, I thought, "Oh, Tennessee's going to lose this game." Um, and then even some of the updates. At one point, you know, with like three minutes left to go in the game, they were down, you know, by multiple scores. And when I saw it went to overtime, I was like, holy cow. Um, How do you have seven turnovers on the road and still almost beat an undefeated team? I don't know. They have had a little bit of a silver spoon up their rear. And uh, and and I, I wonder if that has not been, you know, um, you know, displaced. I'm just saying that says a lot about where this program has come to have seven turnovers and still almost went on the road uh, to an undefeated Texas A&M. Oh, without question. And then if you consider some of the players that that either didn't make the trip or didn't yeah. play. starting running got, back, starting yeah. middle linebacker, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Or, or, or got hurt in the game, and they lost players you know, to injury during the game. And so they demonstrated, you know, look, we make fun of Tennessee all we want to. They are demonstrating a level of heart this season that – they have not done in years. No, they've not, and it's very impressive. I mean, even to come back, uh, you know, and I whatever sort of the, the scenario was, but even the opportunity that they had to tie the game in regulation was built upon a DB chasing down a ball carrier and knocking the ball out inside like the three-yard line. Yes. You know, I mean, if that ball just rolls the right way, Tennessee doesn't get a chance to have the ball. And so it's it's an effort coupled with literally the ball bouncing the right way that, that even gave them a chance to drive the field to tie the game up. And so you think of the improbabilities there. At some point, <clears throat> and you could argue it happened against A&M because they went on to lose the game. Uh, at some point, those things stop happening. Um, and, it, you, know, you, you know, you just don't know. And so what you wonder is – how emotionally draining was that game? Exactly. The two overtimes, 
you know, I started looking at our defensive, you know, when we were talking about how many plays we played on defense, and I started to think, well, at least I'm glad Tennessee played a two-overtime game because there's some sort of parallel uh, there. Now, I'm not rooting for their guys to be hurt and not able to play. I don't I don't mean anything in that direction. I'm, I'm just saying if they're, if, if they're already going to have some level of players not available and then they've racked up that those type of play counts and then it was the emotional sort of wrenching experience then what side what type of hangover might they have this week i don't know if they don't then they're an especially dangerous team and we have to we have to be ready to uh uh you know to come out and play against them can i think we do it yeah if we go if we play arkansas if we play tennessee as well as we played arkansas plus we fine tune you know, uh, the the fumbles and some of the secondary, then we should have no problem beating these guys. But that, there's a little bit of voodoo, it seems, that, they, you know, that they've got bottled up that, you know, we probably need to be conscious of that. Well, I absolutely think, you know, they, 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 they had to pull one out against a Georgia team that, you know, is not as good as they have been in years past. No. Uh, the look against the, – the win against Florida doesn't look quite the same now. Um, which was a 10-point, you know, 10-point win at home. And prior to that, you know, you know, Appalachian State, Ohio, et cetera. So I do think this is a team that's a little bit, you know, you know, what team you're going to get, right, when they step on the field. Um, I, I think that this game's going to surprise me like it did the Arkansas game as far as the final score. Um, I think that that we are going to, because of who it, we're playing, I think we're going to want to get out on them early. And, and try to, you know, take the life out of them and, and kind of not give them a chance to feel like they can get back in this game like they have for three weeks in a row now. And so I surprisingly think that this is going to be something like a 41 to to 16 type of ball game. Wow. I, I think we're going I think we're gonna put it on them early and I think we're gonna try to put off our foot on their throat like we did did not do against Arkansas. Well, I think that would be great if we could, if we could do that. And if we could do that in a way where we possess the ball, uh, you know, for the lion's share, you know, if we could possess the ball 35 minutes, I think that, you know, that would be great. Uh, you know, a distribution of, of uh, you know, yards across our, our running backs and then uh, giving our defense an opportunity to kind of rest. I mean, that would be quite a prescription. Um I see it as a tighter game. I've got it sort of a 27-17 tight game. Okay. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna root I'm gonna root for you to be right on that one because I think um, you know I think that would that would make a statement and um, and and then that would give us a chance to 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 play more guys, give more guys some rest, and uh, you know develop some of the younger guys. So. Yeah, I have to because we because we, we need to get guys ready for Texas A and M because Texas A and M's got their bye week before we go to to their house. So right, but 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 it's a double edged thing. We can't be thinking about that, but we got to think about that a little bit. No, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks for listening and roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, 
on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the Tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.